Hello, everybody, and welcome to No Middle Madness, a podcast about Texas Tech basketball. It's not any ordinary No Middle Madness. This is No Middle March Madness. We're finally here. It's finally time for the tournament, and we finally know where Tech is seated, who they're going to play, and we have a little bit better idea of what the next couple of weeks could look like for Texas Tech basketball. Before all that, before we jump into the games and what to expect, let's just go ahead and introduce my co-host, and how are you today, besides your computer trying to attack you? Huh, well, I was doing really well until about five minutes ago trying to get on this call, but uh, regardless of that, I'm excited to talk some Texas Tech basketball. I've spent a lot of time over the last three days going through Utah State film and really kind of getting to know, know their roster better. I'm excited to talk with you about it. I know that you've watched a ton of Utah State as well, and just really excited to kind of get into March, enjoy March Madness. Yeah, I don't think I've watched as much Mountain West basketball in my entire life combined as I have in the last two days. But we have finally gotten a really good grasp of what this team looks like, what to expect uh, when they play Tech on Thursday, or Friday rather, at 12.45 p.m. Central Time in Assembly Hall and Indianapolis. Um, Of course, Emery mentioned that we had been watching film. We both have film threads up on our Twitter pages right now. Our Twitter handles are in the description if you want to go check those out and get a look for yourself. But I guess the best place to start really is Selection Sunday. Texas Tech Basketball had a little watch party at 4 Orr, Lubbock Staple, of course. Um, But Tech was drawn up as the sixth seed. And I'm curious, Emery, is that about what you expected for Tech? Or do you think it was too high or too low? Yeah, I think it was relatively around where I expected Tech to fall. I had them anywhere from a 5 to a 7 seed um, coming this Sunday. I think Creighton getting all the way to the Big East tournament and San Diego State winning the Mountain West kind of hurt Tech. I think if both, if neither of those two, two things happened, then Tech would have been on the 5 line. My 6 seed still is fairly reasonable. I mean, it falls in line with about what Tech's resume looked at. Looks like, I mean, you had the net rating was maybe a little bit higher than that, but on the flip side, a couple of the other ratings that the NCAA uses for their selection has tech a little bit lower. And to be honest with you, it's right around where some of the predictive metrics as well have tech, right in that kind of 18th to 22nd range. And I mean, I think maybe it was a little bit on the lower side and that a lot of fans had them as a five, but I think a six is totally reasonable and about what I expected. Yeah, I think Selection Sunday, for the most part, uh, panned out exactly how I expected it. I did have Tech as a six seed, like you said, kind of in that five to seven range, depending on a couple of variables. But six was definitely a fair spot for them to land, and I think everyone else pretty much was seeded correctly. I think Oklahoma State probably should have been a three instead of West Virginia, but it is what it is. The committee has made their decisions, and now we know what the bracket looks like. Um, and for Tech, they are in the South region which contains Baylor as the one seed, Arkansas as the play if Tech beats Utah State and Arkansas beats Colgate, and then Ohio State as the two seed, uh, Purdue as the four. So, Emory, how do you feel about the South region? I know I kind of got mixed emotions from the fan base of some people thinking this was a really tough region and some thinking that it's going to be a waltz into the Elite Eight. 
I mean, I think the thing about this region for me is I'm actually quite a bit lower than I think consensus on is on the second and third seeds, so that being Ohio State and Arkansas. I think especially Arkansas, if you look at a lot of their predictive numbers, they don't really seem like a team that is quite as good as that three seed would indicate. I mean, they're outside of the top 20 on T-Rank. Tech would actually be favored on a neutral court against Arkansas based on T-Rank. And shot quality is notoriously low in Arkansas. Um, those guys do a fantastic job of kind of bringing that data weekly and kind of especially coming in the tournament. And even Ken Palm, which is the highest on Arkansas, only has them as the 18th best team. And Ohio State is right around what you would expect for your average two seed. But you look more on their roster, and there isn't one guy that really, like, scares me on that roster. There's a lot of really talented players, but maybe not the, like, outstanding Cade Cunningham, Jared Butler type of impact player. So, I mean, I honestly think Tech got a good draw. And the other thing that probably helps Tech out in this one is that I honestly think the 14th seed and the 15th seed of Colgate and Oral Roberts are a lot better than people are giving them credit for. I think those two are probably the strongest 14 and 15 combination in the field. So even if they don't pull off the upset, and I'm not saying for a second that that's something to expect, but it is something where in past tournaments maybe you go to the round of 32 and Arkansas has been able to rest guys. I don't think that's the case with Colgate because they have a whole really high tempo style of play and they've traditionally played teams really tough this year. So I'm excited to see kind of how the region plays out. I do think the biggest thing for me is Utah State in my opinion, is one of the tougher draws Tech could have gotten in that 11 and 12 line. But, I mean, as a whole, I think the region, the South region stands out as one that is kind of very mixed, so to speak. I think you have maybe a weaker four and five line and maybe a little bit stronger in the double-digit seeds. But I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, I think I'm with you on Ohio State. I think they're probably the weakest two in the bracket. Um, I personally am a little afraid of Arkansas, mainly just because, like, I kind of share a sentiment with Chris Beard where, like, marches for players. And, man, I really don't want Tech to run into Moses Moody if they do knock off Utah State in the first round. But obviously, you know, Tech's got to focus on what's in front of them. And this game is being overlooked by a lot of people. And I think you and I after grinding out a bunch of games, can confidently say that this is not one to overlook. So obviously, Utah State, the 11 seed, they have a fairly lackluster resume. I mean, just on paper, they weren't that great. They play, they did play for their conference title in the tournament, um, but they did lose that game. You could argue that their best win was against San Diego State, who they beat twice in those little back-to-back games that the Mountain West played this season. Uh, and they had no quad one wins. Um, and they also had two really bad losses. One of those was to UNLV, and then they lost by 14 points to South Dakota State. So obviously not the most impressive resume as far as games goes. But man, you look into their numbers, and they are just a mind-blowing team, especially defensively. Man, they're one of the top defensive teams in the nation. They're 12th in Bart Torvik's uh, defensive efficiency. They have an 89.5 defensive rating, which is the eighth best in college basketball. They have the ninth lowest opponent field goal percentage and the sixth lowest opponent two-point field goal percentage. They're also a good rebounding team. They're seventh in the nation in rebounding, and they are 19th in blocks. 
Emery, I was a little surprised to see how good this team was, but what were your initial thoughts on Utah State? My initial thoughts really were kind of predicated on the fact that I thought that they were a surprise team to get in the tournament because their resume really wasn't all that impressive. You had the two wins over um, San Diego State, which is a really good team in my opinion, but they technically, I do believe they count as a quad one, according to what Bartovic says. But anyways, San Diego State in that second game was without Matt Mitchell, who's probably their best player. And you look at their other opportunities, they lost to VCU, they lost to BYU, and they had two of the worst losses of an automatic, or an at-large bid in the tournament in a loss to UNLV on, on the road and then a neutral court loss to South Dakota State. And the South Dakota State game was absolutely embarrassing in terms of their actual performance. But, I mean, in terms of the actual quality of this team, um, I'm certainly absolutely – I'm really intrigued to see how they do because I think that their defense has been sensational this year. Um, then two-point field goal percentage is one that stands out to me, a team shooting under 43% on twos against them. And I think that that's something that Tech fans may – overlook because it really kind of brings in a difficult match for Tech and Tech may be struggling more on the perimeter than past years and a lot of the success for the offense, whether it be through Mac McClung or Terrence Shannon or even Marcus Santos-Silva, coming through straight line drives or from finishing inside the paint. And I mean, that's going to be tough to do. And I think if you look at a lot of the players on this Utah State roster, I mean, there's certainly... Like, you want to mistake some of them for major, absolute talent guys. It's not going to be like playing Baylor. But, I mean, you've got some real talented pieces there, and I think that that's something that maybe you don't see for most Mountain West Conference teams. I certainly think that Tech fans, to be honest with you, have kind of overlooked Utah State maybe. I think that their roster has been really impressive, and I think that – and it's really going to be interesting to get into them and start breaking them down on this. Yeah, I kind of share a, a feeling that you shared earlier in that, like, this was probably, like, the toughest 11 or 12 seed team that Tech could have faced. I mean, I would probably rather play them over Michigan State just because Izzo really has his team going right now. Um, but, man, this team is really good. I, I, I am – I was see this team – uh, getting treated like a cupcake game. I mean, honestly, I think this is far and away the toughest opening matchup Tech has had in the tournament during the Chris Beard era. That Stephen F. Austin team, they were pretty good on offense. Um, obviously, that Northern Kentucky game, that was a cupcake game. But this team, they've got some pieces. Like you said, not a lot of like five-star talent guys, but they have a lot of dudes that fly under the radar. And obviously... Where that starts is with Nemus Keda. So number 23, I'm just going to keep trying to share their numbers because um, I know that names are difficult to remember at times. Uh, but you won't be forgetting Nemus Keda, number 23. He's a seven-foot center who really anchors them down low. And this season, he averaged 15 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, two and a half assists per game, over a steal, and 3.2 blocks per game. He is the first Division One basketball player to have at least 90 blocks, 30 rebounds in a season since a guy named Brandon Clark in 2018-19. Obviously, we all know who Brandon Clark is, played great basketball at Gonzaga, and now is with the Memphis Grizzlies and was like one of the like steals of the draft that year. 
I mean, Keita, he has the numbers. He looks really good on film. We'll get into a little bit of his details and his play a little bit later. But, I mean, I just want to share some quick stats before I ask you of your opinion on Keita. So, since 2018-19, which is when Keita started playing college basketball, he has 29 double-doubles, which is the 15th most over that time. Now, that might not sound like a lot, but Tyler Bay who's now with the Dallas Mavericks, was at Colorado, arguably one of the best defensive players the Pac-12 has seen in the last decade. He also had 29. And Luca Garza, who's arguably the player of the year this year. So he's in really good company there. And then again, that that same range, 2018-19, he is the fourth most total blocks and ninth most total rebounds. He is a player, I think he gets underrated due to his competition level. But he's a really good player, and he's going to be a handful for Tech. So, Emery, just give me your initial impressions of Keita. Yeah, I think the first thing that I thought of Keita was that I honestly think he's the best big that Tech is going to face this entire year. And I don't I don't say that lightly because Tech has faced a lot of good bigs in the Big 12, but I think the versatility of Keita is seriously impressive. Uh, I mean, I had a chance to watch him kind of scouting for the draft a couple of years ago, just kind of getting into the draft scouting. He really stood out then to me as someone that was really instinctive on the defensive end, could go get shot blocks, could really put up his own um, crazy amount of points in the paint. And then obviously you have the rebounding ability. I mean, you look at what he's done this year, his ability to play make is something that really gets underlooked. I think it's what sets him apart from some of the guys like Derek Culver or uh, David McCormick. And I know those guys are really good, but it's like you just have to look at a guy like Caden. It's not just against weak competition. If you look at his performance for Utah State in these quad one games, I mean, you're talking about a guy that still is putting up ridiculously efficient shots against top 100 teams this year. He's had a true shooting percentage of over 60, and he's also had – a comparable assist rate to what he's had the rest of the year. And you watch the film, and he's just a guy that really thinks one step ahead. And I also think he's been allowed to be more sort of assertive this year than maybe he was last year. Because last year he kind of dealt with a bit of a back injury for a good portion of the year, only played in 22 games. This year he's played every game for Utah State. And I think, I mean, the box score numbers really jump out to you. I mean, the block percentage is extremely high, averaging over three a game. He's got a lot of steals, which we'll get into more talking about the film later. And his assists to turnover ratio is pretty good, averaging over two and a half assists per game. I mean, Kate is a real deal, and I think that people maybe underestimate him a little bit, like you said, due to the competition. But, I mean, you look at some of the games that he's played against teams like San Diego State and BYU, and if anything, they're maybe a little bit better than what the box score would show them out to be. And I think that that's something that's really impressive. And certainly, I mean, he's the anchor of this team, and he might be, with a good game, the best player on the court on Friday. And I think that's something that Tech fans have to be ready for because just because he's the best player on the court doesn't mean that he's necessarily going to make Utah State win, but that's certainly something that maybe people aren't necessarily realizing. And he's doing all of that despite only making three three-point shots in 85 career games. He's only attempted two this year, and if you watch the game, most of his most of most of his efforts come through post-ups, some slip screens, and from mid-range 
from mid-range shots that are kind of off of the catch. So he's not really much of a floor spacer, but the mid-range shot certainly is there. And it makes me curious to see what you think, Ryan, about how Tech will go about defending him. Because obviously with the passing ability and the ability to kind of hit that mid-range and also post up, it makes life a lot more challenging when scheming up to defend them. And how do you think it will impact how the guards rotate in this game? Yeah, well, for a big, like, Kata creates gravity unlike any big that I've seen this season, at least in the Big 12 for sure. But it's almost like, like, even Doak last year, like, didn't create as much gravity as Kata does. And I think that's because, like, he's such a good, good passes. I know I uploaded one uh, to my to my Twitter thread where he just made a really smart bounce pass. Um, and it's almost like this is kind of how I think Tech wants to use Marcus Santos Silva in a way is to like get him these these post touches and then let him either score or pass out of it. And I mean, like Kata does that so well because he draws so much defensive attention because I mean, he scores at ease. Like he backs down dudes like it's nothing. Like you mentioned that BYU game. I watched that uh, this morning, I believe. And I mean, Matt, Matt Harms did not even phase him. And Harms is like seven foot two, I think. Um, so he, he scores with ease. Kata is really good. And then just to like add that, like, you don't really need a three-point shot to create space. I mean, obviously, it sure as hell helps, but Kato is proving that it's not completely necessary because he's able to get these touches in the mid to high post, and the defense just collapses around him. And, I mean, like, he doesn't have that three-point shot in his bag, or else, like, Utah State would probably go five out and be a really good team. But he does lead Utah State in mid-range shots. Like, he's made more mid-range jumpers than anyone else on the team. I think he's actually tied with Bean, um, who we both like and we'll talk about later. Um, but, I mean, he creates space that way. You have to go out there and guard him. You can't just leave him out there. Like, I know I've seen teams do that a bit to Tyreek Smith this year, even though he's got a little bit of a jumper developing. But, I mean, man, he creates so much space on offense. I'm just really blown away with his offensive game. Yeah, and I think that that's something that we've seen. Teams have kind of tried a variety of different approaches to it. I know I watched the Colorado State game. That was the first game I watched of Utah State. Or actually, excuse me, it was the second game. I watched a bit of Nevada first. But I watched the Colorado State game, and they were kind of more aggressive, sending double teams to him, trying to force the ball out of, the, out of his hands. But the problem is he's such a good passer, and it makes those defensive rotations really kind of challenging but then if you leave him kind of that space on the mid-range he can knock them down at over a 37 percent clip which doesn't sound great but it's certainly one where it's also skewed by some of the contested post faders that he might take and so i mean it's really a challenging code i'm going to be curious to see how tech goes about it because normally against a guy like culver or mccormick you would basically send that extra guy to go help. And if it doesn't work out, what's the worst thing that can happen? You foul him. But against a guy like Kata, who's so valuable as a passer and can also knock down that mid-range and knock down free throws, I mean, it makes life pretty challenging. And I think you're going to have to see some improvement on Tech in terms of being able to rotate to the three-point line. But, I mean, the other side to it is his defense, which interesting stat is when – he is on the floor, according to ESPN. Utah State allows less than 40% from two-point range, which is really impressive compared to 51% when he's off the court. 
Um, but with that said, you do notice a little bit of struggle sometimes in the pick and roll for him, kind of struggling to um, defend against guys that are maybe quicker. But it makes you wonder, um, kind of how do you think that Tech is going to be able to exploit him on defense, if at all? Because obviously it's a lot easier said than done against a guy like Kata, but there is maybe a little bit of a weakness in the pick and roll defense, even if you're going to have to run a guy like Mac McClung at him. Yeah, I think I probably should have bit my tongue um, when I was on Twitter the other night and posting clips because there was a clip where, I mean, a guard had the ball in the perimeter and Utah State runs a lot of drop um, and that's what you'll see a lot on. And like they just got to the basket with ease because they were so quick. And I was like, oh, this is like going to be a problem for him. He's he's not looking very mobile here. And you kind of DM me and you're like, hey, I'm watching this game right now. And he looks really good. And it didn't even like connect in my head at that point. But I was like, oh, yeah, like I'm watching the MWC championship. Like this is day three of games for him. He's probably super fatigued and super exhausted. And so I think going back, watching him uh, play fresher and like play teams like BYU and Colorado State. Um, I watched him play Nevada. He looked good in that game, too. Um, I do think that his rotations were a lot better. He moves a lot quicker and he kind of like he really is drawn to the ball, but it's almost not in a way that creates opportunities for the offense. Like he likes to be on the side of the court where the ball is, but it doesn't really bite him. Like he's really, really smart. He really understands where to be, but I do think that he still does have some weaknesses defending quicker guards. And I think that this is where Mac McClung is really going to get some opportunities to get a bucket. And I mean, he's got to play well. I think Beard was hinting at that um, in the last press conference, just not being too pleased with his best players, not scoring a lot of points. Um, But I think this is a good opportunity for McClung, um, you know, because McClung also can hit those mid-range shots in the event that, you know, he decides to pull up instead of going all the way to the basket. But I think the thing that's interesting for me is thinking about that and who the screener would be. Like, I would maybe have, like, PV as the screen setter, although I'm not sure how much he would phase Kata. But I do think it'd give you the opportunity to, you know, like, fade PV and then give him the ball and then create off of that rotation. I think that's kind of like a me playing chess in my head move. But I do think that would be interesting. I'm interested to hear how you think that Tech's offense can try and find ways to score on him. Yeah. Something I noticed, I went back and watched the regular second regular season game against San Diego State and Colorado State. And in both of those games, both teams tried kind of a small ball lineup against that Utah State team. And I think it worked out pretty well. Because the thing about Keita is that He's a really kind of instinctive defender in terms of guarding the pick and roll and guarding drives in general. And he's going to go up and try and be around the action of a play. He's a very active defender, so to speak. And I think using kind of a big where you're kind of isolating to maybe a slower movement and a screener that maybe isn't quite as assertive and able to make as much happen after the screen might be a little bit of a limiting factor. Obviously, you can open up the pick-and-roll game with Tyreek Smith. We've seen that develop some at times over the year. Santos Silva is more of a post-space big, but he does run some effective screening action. I mean, I'm with you with trying to run PV at the five and maybe running around with Shannon and McCuller, playing with them, kind of flanking on the wings, um, just to kind of open up the offense a little bit more because then you have five potential ball handlers out on the court at one time. 
and you have guys that are screeners that can that can make Kata pay potentially and force Utah State to really kind of defend and rotate well uh, to kind of compensate for that activity that Kata has. But it's I mean you're always you're also going to give up the size there and maybe have a rebounding deficiency. So there's no easy answer. I mean, obviously, I'd like to see Buzo play some small ball five in this one because I do think that that would be interesting to see. But odds of that aren't very high. But, I, I mean, it's certainly something to ponder and definitely something to look at before Friday because it's going to be a challenge because Kata is such an intriguing presence in the paint and just in general on defense that it makes things a lot more challenging to look at. Yeah, I think we've seen Tech be really willing to go small whenever they can. Like, I remember... Oh, goodness. I think it was the West Virginia game in Lubbock where Derek Culver had gotten into foul trouble and Tech essentially played small for the majority of the second half. And a lot of people were like, hey, why isn't Tyreek Smith in? Because I think Reek was having a good game. Um, But I mean, that's who Tech is. Tech wants to go small and that's how they've built their roster out is so that they can play like five gadget wings or like three gadget wings as your front court and then like Kyler and Mac. Um, But a lot of interesting possibilities for um, this tech team. But I mean, you kind of touched on it. This, this can't be like a hack a shack game, you know, where like if you're playing TCU and you're playing Kevin Samuel, like you can't really get in the ball and then like send them to the line because you're shooting 40%. Um, But like, did I say TCU? I think I'm at Kansas state. I'm tired, but I mean, Kate is a 71% free throw shooter, so you're really rolling the dice if you want to foul him. Um, but he's an interesting player. And then a guy who I've really been impressed with, really who I think is probably the second best player on the roster. I'm not sure the stats necessarily back that up, but I really like Justin Bean, man, number 34. And it's not just because he has a cool last name. I think he's a really, really cool like really interesting player with a lot of tools he averaged 11.3 points and 7.7 rebounds this season but he really stands out because of his defense he led the team in steals average and the film definitely backs up the notion that he's the best wing defender on this team obviously not the best defender because they have Kata running down there averaging over three blocks a game but man I'm such a sucker for these like gadgety wings like Jalen Wilson Ochai guys like, and that's kind of what Bean is. You know, he's like a six-foot bulky, doesn't really fit into a certain position. I love these kind of players. Um, but obviously, you know, when you're looking at it from a tech perspective, it does give you an interesting thing to consider because you're going to have to wonder who Bean will match up against and how they handle it. So, Emery, do you have any guesses as to what the answer to those questions could be? I think that you're going to see Bean run against probably the best wing that's on the court at any given time. So whether that's TJ Shan or Kevin McCuller, uh, I certainly think Utah State might kind of experiment with that. You'll notice throughout the film that they'll they'll kind of put Bean on a guy that they need to disrupt in a sense. So that might even be a guard. Because I certainly – the one thing that I think Bean might kind of struggle with is he does occasionally get blown by, which I'll talk about later on some of the other guys on this roster. I definitely think that you're going to, if you're tech, you're going to have to make sure that the approach to this game isn't too isocentric, especially going against a guy like Bean, because the fact of the matter is, Bean is one of the better positional defenders I've seen on film this year. Maybe not the best, maybe not to like an 
Davion Mitchell degree, but he's certainly someone that you're going to have to be ultra careful against or else you're not going to generate much offense, especially going right at him. But I do think, I mean, be, being certainly an interesting player, there's not really, like, a distinctive archetype I can really fit him into. Like, he's not a great three-point shooter. He's a great defender in terms of just being in the right position and even being disruptive. His steal leads the team in steals. But I do think that maybe there's areas where you wonder, like, how exactly is he – how is Tech going to go up against him? I think running with TJ Shannon and being able to utilize some more off-ball movement with him and maybe even kind of setting him up rather than going with more of a straight-line drive approach, focusing on – kind of getting him isolated looks on the perimeter and trying to kind of motion him open. Um, that might be a good way to go. I want to try attacking Bean, especially considering the fact that I think Utah State has weaker defenders on the roster that you can maybe attack. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting too because I definitely think that he matches up pretty well with TJ. I think TJ might be a little bit faster than he can handle consistently. Um, but I also think an interesting way that you, Utah State could go about it if, is if they wanted to, like, put him on Kyler for a little bit. Because, I mean, Kyler struggled to get to the Ram at times this season, hasn't really been driving a lot. Um, and I think that Bean could really play well and just limit Kyler's touches on the perimeter. But like you mentioned, kind of an interesting player. Doesn't really fit inside a box, like you said. Not a good three-point shooter. He's shooting 23.8% on very low volume this season. His form is not pretty to look at. It's kind of like Macy Oteague's where it looks like a glitch and like when you're playing 2K and your internet connection is bad. It's not pretty, but I mean, obviously he makes his living on the defensive end, which is true for a lot of guys on this roster, except for Brock Miller, who we're going to touch on as well as the rest of this Utah State roster after a quick break. All right, we're back. When we left off, we were talking about uh, Justin Bean, number 34, who's probably the best defender on this Utah State team. And now we're going to talk about a guy that I'm really interested in, and that's Brock Miller, who is number 22 and is really like their two-guard, two-three-guard, whatever you want to call it. Um, Basketball is positionless. As soon as we can accept that, the world will be a better place, but... Neither here nor there. Brock Miller, he is the best shooter on this team. He made 55 threes this year, which would have led Tech. Kyler made 51, um, so he would have been the leading three-point shooter on this team. He's not super efficient at 36.9%, but he is really their only weapon um, from the perimeter. He shot 65 more threes than anyone else on the roster. And Emory, in a lot of ways, I think Miller is the X. specifically in this game I mean he's really the only guy that can consistently make shots and so if Keita is creating good space in this in this game then I think his team has a pretty good shot of at least fighting tooth and nail and I have a hot take on Miller but first I want to just kind of get your feelings on Miller and how worried are you about him shooting well in this game so I'm definitely a little bit worried about Miller. I'm a little bit less worried than I would have been if he was surrounded by other great shooters. Um, but kind of being the only guy on this roster that's a real volume shooter makes it a little bit easier to handle. I mean, he's certainly a guy that you're going to have to pay attention to. Like you said, he's the X factor, and I think that that fits him pretty well. 
Um, he's certainly a very confident shooter. Maybe not, maybe a little bit overconfident sometimes because he's only shooting about 37%, which is good, but it's not actually the elite level that maybe you would expect for someone that hoists up some of the shots that he takes. Because I think some of the shots that you look at could be ones that if he was playing under Chris Beard, you wonder if Beard might uh, get in his ear for it. But, I mean, I think Miller is certainly a dangerous weapon. He's got great range, and he's someone that Texas is going to really have to pay attention to off of rotations and certainly off of out-of-timeout out plays, those sort of deals where you can really see Miller's sort of off-ball ability take place. I mean, he's a great catch-and-shoot shooter. He's not necessarily the best on-ball shooter, but he's still a weapon in that sense. So, I mean... For a guy that's the lead shooter on a team, it's certainly not something that I'm necessarily overly worried about. Like, it's not it's not a shooter where you'd look at where you're like, all right, we're going to have to really send multiple guys at him because I don't think he's out liable as a good. I think he's close to maybe what like Tyler Edwards would be. But, I mean, I'm, I'm worried about Miller in the sense that I think that Tech could leave him open if they over-rotate at times, and that certainly is – someone that can make you pay for it. I'm not too concerned, but I am curious to see kind of how, what you thought your hot take was and how you think Tech is going to be able to guard Miller in this one. Yeah, you made a good point in that he doesn't really create his own shot. He's really just a catch-and-shoot guy. And, like, I think that's probably why his percentages is a little bit lower than how he looks on film. Like you said, I mean, he has shooter's amnesia because this dude will just launch it whenever he feels even remotely close to open. Um, but that's good. I mean, that, that helps him make shots at times. Um, but like you said, I mean, he just eats in the space that Kata creates. And so if Tech is having to overcompensate there, then, I mean, he'll probably find himself open and then you're in trouble. And my hot take is that Utah State is 9-1 and one in games where Miller makes at least three three-point field goals. And if he makes more than four in this game, Tech won't cover. And I, the spread's at like four and a half, five right now. You know, some people think that's a little low. I think Utah State is a good team. I think that's fair. In fact, like the analytics metrics are a lot more like bullish on Utah State than Vegas is right now. But I do think that, you know, we'll get into our predictions later. I think Tech will still win this game, but I don't think that they'll cover. I think it'll be a super close game just because you don't want to play catch up and, you know, Tech, their shooting variance, it hasn't always played into their favor. You got to be careful, man. You can't let this guy get going, especially if you're having a hard time defending Kata. But that's my hot take. Uh, plenty to, you know, plenty more in the tank where that came from. But we'll save those for now and we'll take a look at Marco Anthony, number 44. Maybe the most interesting player on this roster. You know, I think guys like Bean and Miller and Kata are really talented. Uh, Marco Anthony definitely has tools. I mean, he averaged 10 points per game, five rebounds, and three assists. Um, but he is Mr. Utility for this team. I mean, he played more minutes than anyone else on the team in the season as a whole and in conference play. Uh, so he gets a lot of burn, and there's a reason for that, because he does a lot. And, I mean... He can get to the rim. He's not the best finisher. I think he's shooting, let's see here. He's shooting like 50% on close twos, which is not good, but he gets to the rim a lot. And what really like interests me about him is his playmaking and his passing. 
um, and just what he's able to do when the defense collapses around him. I actually did post a clip of him making like a sick uh, bounce pass to the back door um, where a cutter was heading. Um, but he's a really interesting player. You kind of mentioned Kevin McCuller on Twitter. I mean, I guess what sticks out to you about Anthony's game and in what ways does he remind you of K-Mac? Yeah, I don't think it's a direct comparison. I think there's kind of a lot of levels to this one. So, McCullough, or Anthony's role with this Utah State team, in my opinion, is a lot similar to what McCullough kind of provides for Tech. He's very much kind of a secondary ball handler, which is important, is especially important on a team that doesn't have that really creative point guard on the roster that can't doesn't necessarily create a whole lot of open looks. Um, his shot isn't necessarily there as good as McCullers is. He's only shooting, what is it, about 20, or excuse me, 34% on the year, but it, you look at his mid-range numbers, his free throw numbers, and the fact that he's, again, only 50% at the rim, and it's not necessarily, he's not someone you want to see scoring the ball if you're a fan of Utah State, but his passing ability, in my opinion, is underrated. Um, and then, obviously, you get on to some of the more intangible stuff. His ability to track down loose balls I, when I watched the tape, one thing that stuck out to me is oftentimes whenever there was chaos plays, whether it be on the defensive or the offensive end, where maybe a rebound goes long or when there's guys fighting on the floor, it always seemed like Anthony was right in that scrum, and oftentimes he would come up with the ball. And I think the difference between the two is I almost think there's kind of opposites defensively. McCuller is really good in on-ball defense and especially – and then off ball, not letting people just blow by him. And maybe sometimes struggles more on the closeout side of deals with making sure that he's closing out effectively, getting the shooters in time. And I think Anthony's kind of the inverse of that. He's more of a guy that is really foundationally solid defensively. He closes out well, as does pretty much all of this Utah State team, and plays really tight defense on the perimeter off the ball. But then if you look on ball, he gets blown by quite a bit, which is, again, a trend that, I've noticed on this Utah State roster for a team that's that good. But when you have Kata in the middle that's able to erase shots and really change the trajectory of drives, that kind of mitigates some of the impact of that. But, I mean, I really am intrigued by Anthony's skill set. I think he is like a utility. He's someone that you might not be as wowed by the, by the sheer numbers that he puts, the points that he puts up, the assists or anything like that. But you can look at a game and just see the impact he has. I think it's really impressive. Yeah, he does a lot. And, I mean, it, it takes a lot of production if you want to lead a team in minutes with players as good as Keita and Bean. Um, and, I mean, he does that. I like what you said. I mean, he's always hustling on film. Not the fastest guy on defense, like you mentioned. Kind of struggles to move his feet at times. But I'm really interested in his game, and I don't think that he's necessarily like a breakout threat in terms of like scoring. I guess there's an argument that like he's maybe the second best shooter on this team, um, outside of Brock Miller, of course. Um, but yeah, definitely not a get over in terms of scoring production. But just one of those guys, you know, glue guy. We say it all the time. It's not meant as an insult. Um, Really, these guys are what make, makes, make teams go and what make teams make deep runs into March. So he definitely has a big role on this team, and you will be seeing plenty of him on Friday. Um, so just a couple more players on their roster that I thought were interesting. 
I believe it's pronounced Raleigh. And then his last name is like Rooster. I, I noticed that like the, the Mountain West crew was pronouncing it different than the CBS crew, but he's kind of the point guard on this team. Average nine points per game, over three and a half assists and almost four boards. He's their starting point guard. He plays pretty well in his role. Um, again, just not really a guy that kind of jumps out to you, but does play good basketball. And then I really like Steven Ashworth. I mean, he's the backup point guard on this team. It feels like he's a good player in this game and just kind of go off for a couple of big buckets. I mean, not really averaging a ton of points, just 6.3 points per game, 2.7 assists, but he's averaging almost 37% shooting from deep on three assists. Um, so maybe he's the better shooter than Worcester, but a couple of interesting players there. Emory, is there anyone else on this roster that you want to touch on before we get into our predictions? Well, first off, I want to make a quick note about Stephen Ashworth. He's really been kind of an up-and-down player. Obviously, he's a freshman this year. It's his first year with the program. But, like, if you look at some of his games, the one that stuck out to me was the second game I watched against San Diego State. And he went 3-6 from the three-point line and 8-8 eight of eight in the game. And honestly, like if I didn't have the context of the rest of their season, I would think that he was the best player on the team with how aggressive he was in that game. But then you look at some of his other numbers, like the fact that he's only shooting 21% at the rim this year, and his three-point shot has really kind of faltered in recent games. He's 0-6 in the Mountain West tournament. And I think it's really interesting to see because I can honestly see him having a breakout game or I could see him being a guy that maybe is a little bit overconfident, kind of can shoot himself out of rhythm. And then the other guy I was going to mention was Alfonso Anderson. Um, you'll notice him, I believe he's number 10. And one of the things that I noticed about him was he got, he's a very kind of intriguing defensive player. I thought he was maybe one of the best off-ball defenders on the team. Um, but then you look at on-ball defense, and again, he's another guy got beat off of straight line drives quite a bit, especially in the Mountain West tournament game against Colorado State that I watched. And as well as that, I think his he can be prone to backdoor cuts at times, which I can see Tech utilizing, especially with a guy like Mike Peavy or Kevin McCuller in the games. So, I mean, those are guys that maybe they're auxiliary players that don't necessarily have the impact of a guy like Cato or a guy like Justin Beam, but those certainly are guys that are worth watching. And I am... Very curious to see how they impact the game in this one. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they played like seven players in this game. Like you have the starters of Kata being Anthony Worcester and Miller, and then they just played Alfonso and Ashworth off the bench, maybe getting Bearstow a little bit of run off the bench. But man, I think that they will run a very tight rotation in this game. They don't have a lot of depth on their roster. And so I do think that those guys will get a lot of burn uh, against Tech. So let's just go ahead and get into it. That's a pretty comprehensive preview of this Utah State roster. Again, Emery and I both have film threads up on our Twitters. Our handles are in the episode description if you want to go read those. I think mine is pinned on my account. Make sure that those are retweeted on the main account as well. I'll probably keep uploading to those as I just continue to watch film on Utah State a little bit. The next two days, I'll probably slow down from the pace at what I was um, since Sunday, but I will definitely still be posting clips when I watch, so make sure you're following over there so you can get a look at those. But 
time to hop into the predictions. Obviously, this game is at 12.45 p.m. Central on Friday, so you can take a nice little lunch break and watch Tech play some basketball. It will be broadcasted on TNT, and this game will be played in Assembly Hall. Right now, the Vegas line is at Tech uh, as four-and-a-half-point favorites to five, depending on where you're looking at. Bart Torvik has it at about Tech not even a three-point favorite. So like I mentioned earlier, it's a lot closer um, when you look at the analytics. And I think that's because defense is so good, and Tech's defense has been so good at times this season. And that's exactly kind of the, the line of thinking that I'm following from my prediction. So I am expecting a defensive game. You know, in March, sometimes we can see a lot of up-tempo games, a lot of shooting and quick possessions, but I think this game is going to be a grind. I think both teams are going to play really, really good defense, and I'm expecting a close game. I am going to pick Tech. I do feel pretty good that they'll win this game. I don't know about like a percentage or anything. I would just feel like pretty good going into this one, but I'm going to take Tech winning this game 63-59. to It's going to be a really, really, really close game for a large part of those 40 minutes. It's going to be a March basketball game. Um, but really, I think this game depends on how they handle Kata and what he does in the space that he creates on Tech's defense because that's going to happen. He's going to draw some attention. Um, so, yeah, I got Tech as a four-point favorite in this game, winning 63-59. to 59. Emery, where is your head at? Actually, really similar. I am. Um... I've got Tech winning. I think the score is going to be around the range of a 62 to 55 type of game. I think that's actually going to be my official score prediction. I'm I'm nervous about this game, but I also have reason for optimism in that I think Utah State is very is very centered around kind of having that real elite off-ball defense and kind of forcing tough perimeter looks, and then on the Flip side, having really good paint defense with Kata in there, forcing guys to really alter their shots. Um, so that's going with them. But if you look at them offensively, they're kind of limited in weapons because you have two freshman point guards that have been inconsistent throughout the year, and Rooster and uh, Ashworth. And then you also have guys like Miller and Bean that are kind of – Functionally limited in some ways. Um, Miller's in is kind of being a bit limited as a ball handler, and I'm being since it's not being able to really stretch the floor effectively. So I think Utah State is just limited enough offensively, and Tech has just enough kind of offensive weapons. So I'm confident that Tech is going to be able to get just a little bit of separation in this game. It's certainly not one that Tech fans or Tech as a team can overlook because Utah State is a very quality opponent. Um, I'm going to make a little bit of a bold prediction here, though. And I think that even in a loss, I have Nemus Keita putting up a 4 by 5 which would be at least five points, at least five rebounds, at least five assists, and at least five blocks. Because I think that Tech is going to really try and challenge them at the rim, not by design, but just kind of by the way the game flows. They have a tendency to kind of drive into contest- contested lanes. And I also think that Tech is going to go with a really aggressive style of defense against Keita and kind of bringing – extra rotation, that's going to allow for some more open shots. And I don't think that those individual stats should worry people. It's just kind of the way that I feel like the game flow is going to go. And rather than try and kind of 
force Kato in one-on-one and focusing on um, isolating him, they're going to focus on maybe giving up some more open shots to guys that have proven to be streaky and guys that maybe not are, as not quite, are not quite as dependable with the ball. So I've got Tech winning. I think it will be a fun, interesting game. Maybe not the highest scoring or the flashiest, but certainly one that we can enjoy as basketball fans. I like that bold prediction. I definitely agree with it. I mean, he's going to draw a lot of attention, so I can definitely see him finishing, you know, with at least five assists in this game. I mean, it would just be double his average. So he definitely could put I'm really excited uh, for this game. I do think it is going to be a good one. Um, Like I said, just to reiterate one more time, 1245 Central Time on Friday on TNT. If Tech wins, they will advance to the second round um, where they will play the winner of Arkansas versus Colgate. That game will be on Sunday, I believe. Um, And so if Tech does win this game, Emery and I will probably record Friday night, um, try and get an episode up to you on Saturday so you can get to know the next opponent, whoever that may be, whether it be Arkansas or Colgate. Um, but, you know, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Obviously, we really enjoyed creating it, planning for it. It's March, man. We're, we're digging any excuse to watch extra basketball. This Utah State team is super fun. Definitely not a cupcake, but, I mean, reasons to be cautiously optimistic, I think. Um, so, subscribe wherever you listen, review wherever you listen. It would really help us out. Feel free to DM uh, either of our personal accounts or the brand account on Twitter if you have any questions or suggestions. Um, I love getting listener feedback. Shout out to Bailey, who's been DMing me on Twitter. Um, Just wanting to chat hoops. I mean, if you just want to talk hoops, you can also DM me on Twitter. That's fine by me, and we'll talk all the Utah State game um, that you want to. Um, But this has been Ryan Mainville, as always, joined by Emery Elida. Emery, do you have any parting words before... Tech faces Utah State in a couple of days. I think it's just going to be a fun game. And as always, like Ryan said, if you want to talk to absolutely suggestions about the podcast, um, kind of give a, give us some advice going forward and how hopefully Tech can win this game and go into the next round. Um, it'd be much appreciated. And, yeah, I'm excited to watch uh, NCAA tournament action. I definitely missed it last year, and I think that this year is going to be a really unique experience. Yeah, thank goodness it's back. We all needed it. We all missed it. Um, I'm excited to watch some March basketball again. So thank you for tuning in, and hopefully we'll be back with a happy podcast when Tech advances to the second round of the tournament. <laughs>